0: Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Clive Urquhart. What has God been doing over the last few weeks? What's been happening? What is He doing at the moment? Uh, Because we all know that uh, something hasn't come to an end. God has just been initiating the next Step, the next season in our journey of what He is releasing amongst us. So, so, what has God been doing over these three weeks of prayer and fasting? What He's been doing, He has been reviving the normal Christian life. So, He's been reviving the normal Christian life. God hasn't been taking us from the normal into something extraordinary, extra normal. What he's been doing, he's been showing us, reminding us, what does the normal Christian life look like? And whenever you set time aside, like we have been, and, and we, we spend time, more time on our own with God because we are not doing other things, <coughs> like food or social media or whatever, God spoke to you about fasting during that time, We abstain from one thing, as we've been saying, so there's a release of something else, something more of who God is and what he's doing amongst us. And whenever you do that, something is bound to happen in you. Now, when then, together... We pray and fast, and we've we've been meeting like we are at lunchtimes, in the evenings, and through the night, and all that kind of stuff. There's going to be more of a release of God. There has to be, because what you sow is what you reap. And so there's a a spiritual principle there, a kingdom principle. It's impossible for us to outgive God. If we give ourselves to Him, there's going to be more release of Him. It's not that... um, that suddenly, there's more of him around because we didn't have him. It's that there's more of a release of him in us, and therefore there's a greater release of him amongst us uh, as he is working and, and moving. And so, God has been kind of reviving <clears throat> the normal uh, Christian life. So, where do we start? This is going to be a roundup of the last few, few weeks, but where do we start? We started in 2 Timothy. Uh, 1, verses uh, 6 and 7, where it says here, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So that began right at the beginning, that stirring up the gift. Stirring up what? Holy Spirit and fire. So stirring up the fire. So if God is speaking to us about the normal Christian life, then stirring up that gift, stirring up the fire within us daily, is the normal Christian life. It's the normal way that God has called us to live. We're not praying in the spirit or stirring up the gift within us to get something extraordinary or for the fire of God to be at work in us because we now need to see more take place. No, we're talking about the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is to stir up the gift, is to stir up the fire that is within you. That's the normal way that God wants us to live. What does it then say? Verse 7, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So three key things that God's been doing. What is he, as, he's, as we've been responding to him, as he's been reviving the normal Christian life in us, so we need to understand that's what God's been doing. We're not, we haven't been living the normal Christian life and God's been saying, I'm going to add something extra to you now. We have a time of prayer and fasting because we detox from things that take away, take thing away from living the normal Christian life. So why do we fast food a bit? It's not, there's nothing wrong with food. But why do we fast food to give space for God to detox us from other things that might have got a hook in us in some way, or has got a time and attention in a way that we haven't realized has got the time and tension it has. But when we give ourselves to God, what it does is, it, and, and we, we stir up the gift and the fire that's within us, we, we realize our desires begin to change. and When our desires change uh, and increase for him, then the things that are not of him begin to fall away. It's not the other way that we're fighting the things that we need to let go of because we're trying to get a hold of him. We simply fix our eyes on him and, and give ourselves to him in a fresh way. And, and the, the desire, the grip, the hold of other bits and pieces, whether it's social media, it's amazing the amount of conversations over the last few weeks uh, where God spoke to I don't know how many people to, to, to come off social media for three weeks. Now, if God spoke to so many people about that, Social media obviously must have quite an effect on many of our lives to some degree or other. And, uh, and I know chatting to some people because they, they, they told me, you know, um, they, they didn't realize how much they just automatically, you know, when they're not doing whatever they need to do, their automatic default is pick my phone up and have a look. And what's going on? Facebook, Instagram, this, that, or the other, or whatever it is. I've got to look. Is anybody? I've got to look. I've got to look. And, and there's this, this kind of draw to something for whatever reason. And God wants us to be totally fulfilled without a phone in our lives. So that we, we can leave that somewhere... And we're not in the back of our mind going, oh, I wonder if somebody's contacting me. Oh, I wonder what's going on here. Oh, I wonder. Now, that's just an illustration of, of the way something can have a pull in our lives. So, when we pray and fast, we're fasting from the pulls because we want to pull on him in a fresh way. And as we pull on him in a fresh way, those pulls gradually get cut. Cut off. So, what we want to do, we want to guard what God's been doing now and not gradually uh, slink back to stuff. And before you know where you are in two or three weeks' time, you'll know on the inside of you what's going on because you'll know, hmm, I feel like I've lost a bit of ground, if we want to use that phrase. Or I don't, I haven't got that same sense of peace, that same sense of wow you know i just feel like god is just doing something new and fresh in me what we want to do we want to guard what he's doing how do you guard what he's doing stir up the gift keep stirring up that gift stirring up that gift in some of the ways we've been praying more recently don't don't go back to praying from here don't go back to praying from here you know when you're stirring up the gift don't just sort of wander around aimlessly just praying in tongues and all of that that's a complete waste of time just to walk up and down and ki da 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 ki da ba 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 da 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 all of that J- that doesn't do anything for you stirring up the gift engage y- your spirit and your heart don't just wander ki daba, barada, da, 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 all of that J- engage your whole being in what's going on Keep stirring up that gift, stirring up the gift. So, um, and then it says here, for God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love. And So what is being stirred? His power, his love. And then it says self-discipline or self-control, uh, depending on what uh, translation you, uh, you have or you read, or self-discipline. That's basically the mind of Christ. So we're stirring up the word in us. So it's the spirit and the word that's being stirred up. But God is stirring up the power and the love. What is that? It's faith working through love. So God is stirring up his power in us, but he's also stirring up his love. There's two ways that we live in our lives as Christians predominantly. We live in the power of God to see a release of his life and power, but we also express his love into people's lives. So when you look at Jesus, that he's living in the power and the love, the power and the love, the power and the love all the time. That's why it says um, there's nothing else that matters except faith being expressed through love. So if God is stirring up this normal Christian life of power and love, he's obviously stirring up the normal Christian life that, that isn't something that we decide, how do I want to live? So let's have a look at a couple of other scriptures. So Jesus himself, in John 5, 19, Jesus in there speaks about himself, saying that I can only do the things that I see my father doing, and I only speak the things, the words that he gives me to speak. Now, Jesus is the son of God. He knew he was the son of God. But he says, as the son of God, I, don't, I only do the things I see and hear my father doing and saying, right? Now, we all know in here we're sons of God. But Jesus didn't put his faith in being the son of God. So therefore, I can do these things. His faith was in God. His faith was, he was dependent on the Holy Spirit. Even though he was the son of God, he didn't say, because I am the son of God, I can do these things. He said, I am the son of God. I'm the Christ. He was the son of man. He was proclaiming that. But he said, in myself, I can do nothing. I can only do what I see my Father doing. And so even in our sonship, we're not saying because we are sons of God, therefore I can do these things. We're saying because we are sons of God, we can have faith in him and trust him that he will do what he wants to do through us because we are sons. But our faith to lay hands on the sick is not because I'm a son, therefore I heal, and therefore my faith is in my sonship. My faith is in who he is because my dependency is on the Holy Spirit, not in my position. Now, our position gives us authority to lay hands on the sick and see people healed. But in that place of sonship, our faith is in who he is and his faith in us to release his life and power. Do you understand that? Or does that sound a bit weird? Because he said, in myself, I can't do anything. I might be the son of God, but I'm dependent on the Father. So we are sons, but we are dependent on the Father. And because we are sons, we can be dependent on the Father. in In that, do you understand me? What else does Jesus say in in, uh, John 12, similar? Um, He said, the Father gives me what to say and how to say it. He gives me what to say and how to say it. So it's not just what we say, it's also how we do it. We're good at Christians telling people that we're right, they're wrong, and all of that kind of stuff, but often we don't come with the right heart as to how to communicate something. Um, and, And so that's obviously important. So Jesus demonstrated the normal Christian life. I can't do anything. I can only do what I see and what I hear from the Father. So Jesus demonstrated in his humanity, like us, in our humanity, we can't do anything spiritual in and of ourselves. That's why God puts his Holy Spirit in us to enable us to do the spiritual things that he's called us to do. Uh, Are you here this morning? Um, So why why wasn't Jesus released into ministry before he would received the Holy Spirit? Because the Father knew that Jesus was going to need to be totally dependent on the Holy Spirit to do all the things that he was called to do and was here on earth to do. And so once he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, as we heard Pastor Collins say the other day, he was the only one that the Holy Spirit could come on like a dove because there was nothing in his life that needed to be blown out of the way or dealt with by the fire of God. And so the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. But when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's more wind and fire because we need that wind and fire to make sure there's not stuff in our lives that gets in the way of what God wants to to do. So the Holy Spirit came upon him, and it was only then he was sent to then go and fulfill what the Father had for him to fulfill. So what did Jesus do? Jesus operated in the power of the Spirit, in the fire of the Spirit, but also in love. And we see that demonstrated in many ways, how the Pharisees would say, well, look at this person, they deserve to be punished and, and, or hit stoned or whatever it is. And his response was always one of mercy, one of compassion, one of love, one of grace, towards those that didn't know him. And so sometimes people needed that love and that compassion, Other times people needed the power because they needed set free. They needed healing or they needed some demonic thing cast out of them. So no matter what the situation, there was either the power available right there to deal with it or the love to show who the Father is in that moment to the person. Because Jesus said, everything I do is to bring glory to the Father. So when the power was released, it was to bring glory to the Father. When love was released, to meet a need in a different way, it was to, glory, it was to reveal the Father all the time. So what did Jesus do? He didn't just go around showing everybody himself. He picked a bunch of people. Fishermen, tax collectors, uh, everyday people like you and I. Uh, he, he picked a political zealot who wanted to, you know, who was expecting the Messiah when he came to overthrow the Roman Empire and reestablish God's kingdom on earth. So one of Jesus' disciples was a political activist. He was like, come on, you know, and, and probably some of the time he must have been saying to Jesus, so when are you going to overthrow the Romans? When are you going to overthrow the Romans, you know? Because if you're the Messiah, that's what the Messiah is supposed to do bring the kingdom of God back to earth. To, to overthrow every other kingdom because that's what the Jewish mindset is. That's why they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah because when, in their minds, when Jesus came, he didn't overthrow all the earthly kingdoms and bring the kingdom back to earth. That's why Jews don't believe that, well, anyway, that, that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. He's like, well, when Jesus came, if you're saying he's the Messiah, he didn't overthrow the Roman Empire, he didn't overthrow all the earthly kingdoms. Where was God's kingdom? Now we know that Jesus came with the kingdom and the kingdom he brought was the kingdom of salvation so that between the cross and when Jesus does return, people have the opportunity to be saved, to then have an eternity with God. Whereas the Jews are waiting for their Messiah to come based on their, okay, some of what the Old Testament says, but how they live and then the Messiah is going to come And and they don't understand the need to be born again, the need for sin to be forgiven in the way that uh, they need the cross and everything. So this political zealot, he was like, you know, the Messiah, what, well, you can't be, you know, uh, Well, and, and all the stuff that must have gone on, the conversations between the fishermen, the tax collectors, I mean, tax collectors and fishermen probably wouldn't have gone on very well in the natural because a tax, uh, a fisherman would be like, well, you're always trying to get more money out of me and you're wealthy, you're rich, look at your lifestyle. Jesus picked, you know, tax collectors were wealthy guys. Peter and, and, and the other fishermen, well, they were sloggers. They were like big, you know, gritty hands that were gnarly and, you know, whatever, constantly out there fishing, doing this, that, and the other. You had such a mix of people that, and, and what was Jesus saying? He's saying he was demonstrating to them the normal Christian life, which was what? Preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead cast out demons, cleanse those that the incubators. He started, he said, be merciful to people that the law says stone, kill, destroy, and all of that. He show mercy, love, grace. You go and hang out with people that the religious people say, well, how can you do that? You can't go around to those people's houses. That's a no-no. And, and Jesus said, this is the normal Christian life, if we can use that phrase uh, for Jesus. And so he's demonstrating, so half the disciples were unschooled. We hear that in the beginning of, of, of Acts when they have to stand before the religious leaders and, and, and uh, after Pentecost and Jerusalem is being turned upside down with the gospel and all the things that were going on, they stood before the Pharisees and, uh, and they, said, they, they, they said that these are unschooled men. They said, well, you, you guys haven't been, you don't know all the stuff inside out, the religious side of it all unschooled, ordinary men. So sometimes what we do when we talk about the normal Christian life and the way that God wants us to pray without ceasing, praying the way we've been talking about over the last few weeks and God's been activating in us in a fresh way, sometimes what we do is we say, no, God, that's not me. That, that's, that person does that kind of thing. Or, well, it's those people that see the power of God, but that's not really me. Well, God's no respecter of persons. His Holy Spirit is the same in you as it is in me. In terms of believers will lay hands on the sick and they recover. God doesn't say well well Fraser can lay hands on the sick and they recover and I'll use him for that, but Gary can uh, he could just chat to a few people about Jesus. He can't heal the sick but Fraser can. It says believers will lay hands on the sick. Jesus took fishermen, tax collectors, political activists. He called people out of their workplace to follow him, and he gave them the Holy Spirit and said, go and do the same things as I've been doing. But sometimes we tell God what he can and can't do through us. Well, God, that's not me. I'm not that type of Christian. That's not my style. Well, that's not the way I tick This is my thing. I I tick a bit more like this. I like my Christianity to be expressed like that. So I'm not really a power person like, you know, Pastor Clive or or Pastor Gat. I'm not really a power person like they are. I'm, I'm more of a gentle, chatty person. Are you with me? Or I just, you know, or whatever. It's like everybody who has the Holy Spirit is a power person. And what we have to do we're in, in this normal Christian life that God is reviving in us is, is to live in this normal Christian life. We are ongoing having I mean, to surrender to what he's wanting to do in us and through us. And the great thing is, Jesus said, I can only do what I see him doing, the Father. I can only say what I hear him saying. Therefore, whatever we do and say then is not dependent on us. Mm. Because if it's the father doing it, the father heals the sick. The father cleanses lepers. The father reveals the kingdom. The father drives out demons. But what he wants is a vessel, a person, a believer on earth that is available that he can then speak the word through or he can act through to do the same things as Jesus did and greater things still. We're talking about the normal Christian life this morning. You guys are really excited, aren't you? Really excited. See, that's what God's been, he's been reviving bringing us back to normal, resetting the compass and uh, in terms of what he's, uh, what he's doing uh, in our lives. So let's have a look at Acts chapter 2, because this is what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Um, and what they began to live in as the early church, because this is what we live in, and God continually increases amongst us as we are uh, responding to him in our, in our lives. So the normal Christian life, we stir up that gift. We stir up the fire. What does it say here? So this is the, this is the normal Christian life then, because... How the early church was birthed was into the normal Christian life. It says, they, were de- they devoted themselves. Wow. It's amazing, those three verses. We often skim over those and go on to what they were devoted to. But actually, because of what the Holy Spirit excuse me, was doing, it says they devoted themselves. There was something going on in the early church. There was something going on in those early believers where there was a devotion to a number of things they devoted they gave themselves and this what did they give themselves to they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching so they've to the word god gave us the analogy of a ship didn't he with the mast and that being the word and we're rooted and established in the word and so we're we devoted to the word. we want to be word people why is it so important that we we know the word We believe the word and we live according to the word. The word brings a conviction in our lives. When we don't know what the word of God says, then we don't have a conviction that goes down in our life like the mast of a ship. So the word of God puts a conviction down on the inside of us so that then, what God wants to do in us and through our lives—the rigging and the sails—that it has something um, secure that it's all connected to, and everything hangs off, if you like, uh, in our lives. So that the, so the mast is, is secure. So we know we want to be people of the Word, but it's so so important because increasingly in our culture, there's a movement away from the Word. I mean, most people don't even acknowledge the Bible, you know. In, in so so therefore it's more. It's so important now that we are rooted in the Word because we need to raise a generation. Every generation needs to be raised, like in church, to be people of the Word and the Spirit, people of the Word and the Spirit. So we need to teach our kids and young people, so who is Jesus? What does He say? What does the Word of God say? And, and so that each generation that comes up lives with a conviction, a deep conviction about who God is and what the Word of God says. So... Um, What does the word do? Because the word, Jesus himself gives us our identity, but the word speaks into our lives and shows us the identity that we have. What's one of the biggest issues at the moment is identity. And the the devil knows if he can undermine people's identity, who am I? See, your identity is your compass, without a compass pointing you north, whatever fad, fashion, trend, whatever's going on in the culture, in society, will blow people around all over the place because there's no compass that is setting people's life north or in the right way. And so as, as, as believers... There's there's loads of stuff that's going on in society and in culture, belief systems, philosophies, even within the church. So many scenarios where people are debating the culture and deciding how much of the culture to embrace in the church to be relevant today. Well, when we embrace the culture in the church... And then we weigh up the word of God against the culture and say, how much of the culture can we bring into the church to be relevant so that we don't look like we're being exclusive or we're leaving anybody out? As soon as we do that, the power of God leaves the building. Because the power of God can't work with that kind of thinking and mentality. Why? Because there's no honor, firstly, of who God is. There's no honor of his word, and we don't recognize the, under, and we don't, the, the, the authority of God's word. So when Christians start to debate certain things, and should we, should we, have, should we bless same-sex marriages? Should we do this, that, and the other, and, and all of that? What we're doing is we're saying, well, we'll put the authority of God's word to the side for a minute, And let's decide how much of the culture we want to embrace in the church so that we don't upset anybody. What does does the truth do? What does the gospel do? It divides between what is of the spirit and what is of the soul. So whether we like it or not, that's what the word of God does. God does not defend his own word by trying to make it palatable to people in their lives. Now, the way in which God reveals himself into someone, to someone, he does it in such a relevant way. How he reveals who he is into someone's life, knowing how they think, knowing how they tick, knowing what their experiences are, their belief system, their philosophies, uh, the stuff that's going on in them. God is the master at revealing who he is into someone's life. So even then, our faith needs to be in him as to how he reveals himself into somebody's life. So we never need to batter somebody with the gospel. We never need to batter somebody with where they're wrong. It's, it's that nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Any, anybody else in the room here? Do you like people to tell you that you're wrong? You know, I mean, we're all more open to that because we, we, we want to be teachable. And if there's something not right, then help me, you know, that kind of thing. If I've got blind spots, if I've got blinkers, you know, blind spots and blinkers, help me with that and all that. We're open to that. But to go out there and to say to everybody, you're wrong, you're wrong. Jesus didn't start with, you're wrong. He started with, there's something God wants to give you. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. There's a kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he talked about the kingdom in order to receive the kingdom. Then he said, repent and believe. But we often go out saying, repent, you sinner. And then believe the good news. And they're like, you get stuffed, you repent. Do you know what I mean? That's the reaction you're going to get from people. But people need to hear the truth of who God is in order for there to be a revelation that then brings conviction that then leads to repentance and faith and everything, right? So anyway, I don't know where we're going with this. Hopefully somebody does. But in the early church here, in Acts chapter 2, it says they devote themselves to the word and to the fellowship. What does that mean? It means the sharing of life. It means they shared their lives. Now, a lot of you guys are living here at the moment, Ruffy Place. You're sharing your life together. You're eating together. Uh, you're getting in each other's way. You're getting up, up each other's noses at times. But you love one another, don't you? <laughs> Jack, Jack loves everyone. <laughs> Jack loves everyone, you know. Does everyone love Jack? Yes. <laughs> there was a muted yes to some of that. But... Uh, Everything God God calls us to do, it has to be the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? So God never, ever asks us to do something without giving us the power to do it. He's not expecting us to do anything in our own strength. He's just not. You don't have to strive and strain and try, right? So if you ever hear a message that says, you've got to pray more to see God do more, Straight away, that's putting the emphasis on you doing something in order for for then, well, if you pray more, God will do more. Well, I don't don't find that anywhere in the Bible that says, as a believer, if you pray more, God will do more. What you do find is if you pray with faith, something happens. (laughs) And what does God do when he speaks? He puts his faith in us. Because when he speaks, he shows us what he is saying and doing. So it's not even that we've got to try and get faith. So the subnormal Christian life is I'm trying to get faith. I'm trying to believe God. I'm trying to get to where he wants me to be. But actually, when we we take responsibility and we're stirring up that gift within us, stirring up the fire. I don't know how many of you guys. I know there's been lots of people in the across the church that have been having dreams, visions, prophetic words. They've had stuff. They've been sending them in and, and everything else. And as, and we've we've shared some of them over the last few weeks. Um, but but when when you when you pray and fast and, and you're not doing certain things, but you're giving yourself more to God. The, the spiritual, the, the spiritual, um, uh, what's the word? There, there's, uh, what, what am I looking for? Spiritual activity, um, activity of the spirit, whatever. There's more going on, right? And therefore, we're more sensitive, more in tune with what the Holy Spirit's doing, we hear things more easily. You see things, God reveals things of a greater depth because we're we're in a place ready to hear and receive what he's saying Uh, because the more God reveals, the more responsibility we actually have to respond to what he's doing Uh, and and do something with it because when he starts to reveal the depth of something, John Hutchinson, uh, John's here, I haven't asked him yet, but on Sunday in Awesome, I'm going to ask him to share this vision that he had in the prayer night the other night. I'm not going to say what it is, <clears throat> but I want him to share that on, on Sunday. And um, uh, it's to do with the lost, but it, it was so, so powerful. Um, but when, when God reveals things like that and then the prayer that came from it, um, it's like, right. Uh, The normal Christian life is harvest. The normal Christian life is abundance. The normal Christian life is multiplication. That's the normal Christian life. So it's not like God's saying, you know, addition is normal, blessing is normal, and whatever the other one is, cleaning or whatever is normal. What he's saying is abundance, harvest, that's the normal. So all God is doing is bringing us into the normal. And so he's speaking to us to, to believe that's the normal. So God wants us to live with his faith, not our own. That's why Jesus said, I can only do the things I see him doing because it's him doing them. And the same thing with what he was, was saying. Okay, so Acts 2.4, Acts 2.42. Fellowship, sharing of life, laying our lives down for, for one another. Um, then the breaking of bread, He says, what what does that actually mean? They were devoted to breaking bread every day in their homes. But they weren't breaking bread as a tradition. They were breaking bread because they were living a Christ-centered life. That's what that's basically saying. They were devoted to the Word of God, all the apostles' teaching. Where did they get their teaching from? Jesus. So they were were devoted to Jesus, the Word. They were devoted to fellowship, sharing life, because Jesus demonstrated what it looked like to share life and to to be with each other, love people and all of that. But then it was the communion, breaking bread, Christ-centered life. So why do they do it every day? Because they said, Jesus, we want you to be front and center of our lives every day because we're living in the normal of of what you said, Christ-centered Christianity. Then, it, then the last one was to prayer. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What God, what's God been talking to us about? Night and day prayer. Night and day worship and prayer. Night and day worship and prayer. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Elizabeth Allen once said, uh, to, well, we were talking one day, this is a few years back, talking and, about prayer. And she said, oh, she said, I asked the Lord recently, um, how do I pray without ceasing? Because I have to go to sleep. And um, so how do I pray in my sleep? And, and she said, well, I know that my, you know, the spirit, your spirit can be active all the time because you've got the Holy Spirit. And, and she said to the Lord, how do I pray without ceasing? And she went to bed that night and she woke up in the middle of the night praying in tongues. As she woke up, she was praying in tongues. And she, she sat up and, and she laughed, you know, and it was like, okay, okay, Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're in charge, you know? And it, and, and it was like, well, it's important how we go to bed at night. So the last thing you do before you go to bed is not spend half an hour on Facebook, Instagram, or searching out what you want to buy tomorrow and all the things you want in your life that you don't really need, but you'd like them anyway, because you think it's going to fulfill you, when it won't really, because our satisfaction's in him, right? All of that stuff that goes on. We don't look for things we already have because we got them. We only look for things we don't have because we think it's gonna add something into our life. You know, I need a bigger TV because I've got a 50 inch one, but I need a 58 inch one now. Well, I don't think a few inches of TV is gonna make a lot of difference in your life, you know, and all of that. But but for whatever reason, we think like that, don't we? But how you prepare to go to sleep is important. Uh, God wants to give you dreams. God wants, you can encounter Him You want to wake up in the morning thinking about him. You want to wake up in the morning and there's stuff going on in you already. Why? Because you prepared before you went to sleep. Before you go to sleep, anything that's come up that day, give it to him. The worries, the thoughts, the concerns, there might be for the next day. God, I just give you all that stuff. I'm not going to go to bed worrying. I'm not going to go to bed with this on my mind. I surrender it all to you. I'm going to go, I, I thank you. I'm going to sleep peacefully. I'm going to wake up in the morning refreshed and ready for a new day. Anyway, then it says here, uh, and to prayer. So they're devoted to prayer. How do you become devoted to prayer? The answer is in the word itself. Pray. <laughs> How you, do how'd you, how'd you, you get devoted to prayer? Pray. Simple as that. Your flesh, your flesh goes, oh, oh, right. Your spirit goes, yeah. Mo- hopefully, everybody in the room, this side of the praying and fasting, there's a different desire going on in you now than there was three weeks ago. I know praying and fasting out of Christmas, Christmas is, can make a bit lethargic, can't it? And uh, so, uh, so it might take a bit of momentum to get going at the beginning of the year. But now, you're, now with this side of it, you're like, I want to carry on in what God's doing, Amen. right? Because your compass has changed on the inside. Then it says here, everyone was filled with awe. So this is normal Christianity. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs, it says here, were done by the apostles. If you then continue on in the next few chapters, it shows loads of people were doing signs and wonders, not just the apostles. Um, so signs and wonders was normal. Many, 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 many normal. What's that? Abundance, harvest, multiplication, many. Who, so let's move it on because the apostles are, oh, well, of course the apostles, but I'm not an apostle kind of thing. Well, going to chapter 6, wherever it is, Stephen, uh, people were getting left out in the distribution of food and everything. So that the, the apostles said, right, we need to get seven people that are known to be full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith, and let them take on that responsibility. Stephen was one of those. And it says that wherever they distributed food, it says miraculous uh, signs and wonders were breaking out. So Stephen was a guy. He wasn't an apostle. He was a guy who was part of the church, and uh, he was full of faith, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. We have a bunch of people in the room like that. And he was asked, would you take this on? Yeah, sure. He didn't just take it on with a mindset of, I'm just distributing a bunch of food to people in their homes. He saw it it with a different perspective. It's like, right, we are power and love, power and love, right? So we're loving people by giving them some stuff that they need. And as he was going, somebody was sick in the home. Right, lay hands on you, power. Went to another house, something was not right in that place. Right, well, lay hands on you, power. Do you know what I mean? So power and love, power and love. So that's who you and I call to be, people who live in power and love. Some people say, no, I'm more the love, I'm more of a love person. I just like to serve behind the scenes and and bless people and do the I'm not really a power person. You know, Pastor Gary, he's a power person and uh, he's also a person of love, but um but I'm just a love person. And other people go, no, I don't love people. I'm just a power person. You know, give me the power, give me the power. Love people, or oh, if I have to, but you know, I, I'm a power person. You know, it's it's power and love, power and love. How we present the gospel to somebody needs to be done in love. How we share our faith, we do it in love. But also. Paul in one corinthians 420 says "The gospel is not a matter of talk but of power because the gospel is the paragon for the salvation of everyone who believes so therefore that there needs to be power when the gospel is released so we 're not trying to present the gospel in a palatable Do you like this? Have I said it in a way that you go that doesn't upset me or offend me do you, do you like the way I'm saying this to you i 'm not saying within but we've got to allow the Word to do the work in people's lives. So normal Christianity, stirring up the fire. Pray continually. Uh, let's one last scripture uh, in Thessalonians, and then we're going to pray. It says here, we start again, started with this at the beginning of prayer and fasting. He says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Normal Christian life. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Why? Because the normal Christian life is to live in the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. Test everything. Normal Christian life. Hold on to the good. Normal Christian life. Avoid every kind of evil. Normal Christian life. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through normal Christian life. We want to live in a continual sanctifying process of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, normal Christian life. Uh, Then it says here, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's that? It's an ongoing living in the fire living in the truth, living in that sanctification, uh, holding on to the good, avoiding every kind of evil. That's the normal Christian life. So we we don't want to be playing with stuff uh, in in our lives. Then it says here, verse 24, to the one who calls you is faithful, and look at the emphasis, and he will do it. So it doesn't say um, in all of that, you know, don't do this, don't do that, but do this, do this, do this in your own strength. In the end of that, he goes, no, the one who, is co- who calls you to live like this, he will do it in you. Amen. That's why Jesus says, I can't live this life on earth the Father's called me to live. I can only live what I see and what I hear. The Father shows me to live in here. Let's jump to our feet, shall we? So what's God been doing over the last few weeks? Reviving us into the normal Christian life. Do you want to tell somebody that? Tell a couple of people that around you. Thank you, Lord. Right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Right, there's not a massive response this morning in terms of a big time of prayer. The response this morning is two things. One is what God has been doing in us, but what God does in us is in response to what we do in relation to him. So God always speaks, then we respond to him, and then he does what he says he wants to do. So it's a partnership, isn't it? God God says, stir up the gift that is within you. So you begin to stir up that gift, what happens? The Holy Spirit then starts to do something. That's why we're not striving. So when we're stirring up the gift, we're not doing that in our own strength. We're taking hold of a spiritual gift, and we're, we're activating that in our lives, so that we then see the fruit of it take place, the result of it. So let's just close our eyes for a minute, and you can just pray in tongues for a a moment, and just kind of, when I say stir up the gift, we're not going to get all loud and noisy this morning, because you know how to do that, and uh, you can continue to uh, stoke that engine room of fire and faith that is in your life. God has started something in the last few weeks that we want to continue in and we want to grow in more and more. And so we don't want to say, well, one thing's finished and we're waiting for something else to start or what's next. So stir up that gift that is within you. Continue to do that daily. Continue to do that daily. Continue to take time. Make a decision in your heart, I'm not going to, go back to the subnormal that I was living in. I'm not going to go back to the subnormal. God has moved me and bringing me into normal Christianity. He's bringing me into the normal of what he sees. He's bringing me into normal Christianity. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Being joyful. Praying continually, stirring up that gift that is within me, living in the truth, sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, that's normal Christianity. Healing the sick, normal Christianity. Raising the dead, normal Christianity. Casting out demons, normal Christianity. Cleansing those with incurable diseases, normal Christianity. That's normal Christianity. God's not been saying anything to us over the last few weeks that is extra. He's saying, no, I'm bringing you into normal, bringing you into normal, bringing you into normal, bringing you into normal. So that his faith in us as we live our lives is one of abundance, one of multiplication, one of harvest. So that the mindset we have... because. What, what does it say? Stir up that gift. What is it? It's the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. The sound mind is the mind of Christ. It's the way that God thinks. So our, 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 our normal way of thinking in the normal Christian life is abundance. We expect abundance. We expect multiplication. We expect harvest. How many of you know that's the new normal that God has been setting in our lives? What's another normal? Seeing God's power being released. Seeing his love being released, that's the new normal. His power, his love, and everything that he's been speaking about. Father, just thank him that he's bringing you into his normal. He's bringing you into normal Christianity. Abundance, multiplication, harvest. That's the new normal. Father, we thank you for the release of your spirit that you've been doing in increasing measure. Father, I thank you for the fire that has been stirred up within us over these last few weeks. We thank you, Father, for the early church and the way they lived as you baptized them with your Holy Spirit and fire. We thank you that you enable us to be devoted to your word, to the sharing of life, to the breaking of bread, a Christ-centered life, and to prayer. We thank you for the spirit of prayer that is being released in an increasing way. Father, as we continue to give ourselves to you, we thank you for that increasing release of your spirit in us, amongst us, and through us. So, Father, we praise your name. We thank you that I can do nothing. Like Jesus said, I cannot do anything. So the simple way to close this morning is Holy Spirit. I want to see what the Father is doing. I don't want to hear what he is saying. So to live a dependency, with dependency on the Holy Spirit, is being sensitive to Him all the time in us, so that even in our conversations, even the way we are with one another, and however we're living and whatever's in front of us in in the day, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to love one another in the way that He wants to express that love to one another, and whatever that might look like in situations we go into today, this week. Any particular moment, He wants to release His power to see something happen in somebody. Around today, there might be somebody, somebody says, oh, I'm not really feeling too good. I'm not, so how hey, can I pray for you? Because God doesn't want you to stay like that. You know what I mean? And you pray for him and see his power released or whenever we're going out and about in our, in our daily life, our expectation is, so don't, don't subconsciously say to the Lord, well, that's, that's not my style. That's not the, that we can't, let's not tell God what he can and can't do through our lives. Let's say, okay, Father, that's what your word says, so that's what you can do through me. Power and love, power and love. Just thank him that you have his power. And thank him that you have his love. Thank him that you have the power for whatever situation you're going to need it for. And thank him that you have the love for whatever situation you're going to need the love for. thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you're mobilizing your church, you're mobilizing your church to live the normal Christian life. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your mighty name. Father, we just speak your blessing over this week, your abundant goodness over this week. We thank you for multiplication and harvest this week. We thank you, Lord. There's going to be more than just good conversations with people that don't know you this week. There's going to be people giving their lives to the Lord, people being healed this week. Anybody believe that here this morning? Thank you, Father. Yes, there's going to be conversations, but they lead to salvation. Yes, there's going to be conversations, but it leads to healing. It leads to something happening in somebody's life. So God wants us to expect that every time we go out and do something in some way, there's going to be a release of him in some way. That's why in any given moment, it's like, Father, what are you saying at this moment? What are you doing? Because I only want to do and say what you are doing in that moment. So we want to be one ear to the person in terms of what's going on, but one ear to the Holy Spirit uh, as to what does he want to do. And so therefore we act and speak in his name as if he were here. So what it talks about in 1 Corinthians 5. We're ambassadors on earth. And, and it's an amazing verse that it says in 1 Corinthians 5. I just want to read this before we close. Um, is what it says. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, sorry. Um, amazing verse here. Right, verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So it's like we're ambassadors as though God were here himself. Wow, just think about that for a moment. So therefore we're not trying to do something. We're not trying to be something in God. But he says, no, you're ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador has the authority and represents the nation, the kingdom, or whatever he's, he's sent from, and he exercises that kingdom's authority or that nation's authority as if it were the head of that nation there themselves. And that's what it says here. It's like, so as you go, you're doing whatever you're doing as if it were me, there wow that's awesome because he is there because he's actually in us and so we thank you holy spirit for your leading this week in everything that's going to be happening around here as we go out and about and everything that's going to be going on this week so we thank you in your mighty name for a week of fruitfulness and a week that is going to bring glory to your name and everybody said Amen. Amen. amen amen